welcome to OECD On The Level. I'm Bill Bielow. Today we're talking with Maria Borga, Senior Statistician and Head of Foreign Direct Investment Statistics at the OECD. Welcome, Maria. Thank you. Global foreign direct investment outflows dropped 44% in the first quarter of 2018, largely due to a switch to negative outward FDI from the U.S., The OECD reports in its just-published FDI in figures that U.S. outward FDI fell to negative 145 billion U.S. dollars, the first negative U.S. outward flow since the fourth quarter of 2005. What accounts for this substantial drop? So it was really due to the recent U.S. tax reform. Under the old tax regime, U.S. multinationals had an incentive to keep cash that they'd earned at their foreign affiliates overseas because when they brought it back to the U.S., they had to pay uh, the the tax rate in the U.S. on it. And what happened under the tax reform was they made them pay a tax on all the money that they had kept overseas, and they could bring it back then without paying any additional taxes. So one of the things we saw in the fourth quarter was a lot of companies were reporting substantial losses related to these one-time tax payments they had to make on the money that they had held overseas. But now, starting in the first quarter of 2018, they're allowed to bring this back without paying any additional taxes. So what we've seen is large repatriations of money coming back to the U.S. How much cash uh, were U.S. multinationals holding overseas prior to the new tax act? And what percentage of global outward FDI does the U.S. account for? Um, so the, there are several estimates, there are a range of estimates, uh, but they were all substantial. So, for example, Bloomberg looked at the 50 companies with the largest overseas cash holdings and came up with a number close to $1 trillion. Um, Goldman Sachs looked at it and came up with something of around $3 trillion in, in money held overseas. So... Um, Somewhere in the middle of that is probably where the truth lies, but any, at any rate, it was, it's a substantial amount of money. Um, usually, the U.S. accounts for about maybe one quarter of FDI flows, outward FDI flows, so it's a substantial outward investor. It's almost always the largest outward investor in the world, so this switch to negative was quite a big switch. <laughs> What is the likely short-term impact of these repatriations of uh, U.S. foreign earnings? Well, we don't actually expect in the short term that this will have much of an impact in their foreign operations. What they're bringing back now is essentially very liquid assets that they held and that it's quick to bring back. So uh, there was a, in 2005, there was actually a tax holiday on foreign, uh, on these sort of uh, cash held overseas by multinationals. And we saw then at that time as well that they brought back substantial amounts of earnings But when we looked at the impact on things like employment or value added at their foreign operations, you didn't see any. So in the short term, we don't expect these large repatriations to have much impact on their foreign operations. As you mentioned, in 2005, when the U.S. uh, uh, FDI outflows were last negative, that corresponded to a tax holiday, uh, part of the 2004 American Jobs Creation Act. Are we seeing a similar, albeit larger, example of the same thing today? It's similar in that, yes, they're bringing back large uh, amounts of earnings. It's different, though. That was a tax holiday, and so it was for 
a brief period of time, and then once it was done, the incentives returned to what they were. And so if you look, you see large negative reinvest earnings in 2005, but in 2006, they returned to the level that they were before. This time, it's actually a tax reform, and it's permanent. So we don't see these incentives going back to what they were. And so we expect that this could actually result in a structural shift in the amount of reinvested earnings that U.S. multinationals make overseas. This could have a large impact on FDI flows because this reinvested earnings component is actually the largest component of the U.S. outward investment. And so if, if this makes a, uh, if they have a, a downward shift, then we might see lower FDI coming from the United States going forward. Foreign direct investment benefits the host country in important ways, including the generation of local taxes, employment, the purchase of local goods, and acquisition of skills and new technologies. But not all FDI brings such benefits to the host country. Would it be safe to say that the repatriation of U.S. undistributed foreign earnings does not necessarily concern capital actively invested by the parent in the growth of the foreign affiliate? Um, yes, and I think that's actually a really important point. You know, what we want to measure with FDI is this sort of long-term real investment in economies, but we also capture a lot of other things, um, and a lot of it are these financial flows, for example, related to fiscal optimization or, or tax avoidance, if you will. And so... In, in essence, what we might be losing from the FDI flows is more of these kind of financial flows related to this fiscal optimization, but the flows that are really related to the real investment might continue. If in the past a lot of this reinvestment of earnings wasn't really going into building plants or investing in intangibles or training the workforce, but instead was essentially sitting in cash accounts, then uh, this will have less of an impact on the real FDI. Multinationals can have very complicated structures, to say the least, distributing operational and financial entities and flows across borders, in part driven, as you mentioned, by pressure for fiscal optimization. Uh, can you briefly tell me something about how the OECD, uh, how its approach is to defining direct foreign investment? How do you keep track of complex relations between parents and affiliates? And what constitutes a pass-through company? And how do you determine the ultimate investment country? Well, fortunately, at the OECD, we don't have to deal with the complex ownership structures. It's the statisticians in the countries who are trying to measure this that do. Uh, what we do is, uh, for example, through our benchmark definition of foreign direct investment, we provide the international guidance that says to countries, this is how you should measure FDI. In our benchmark, what we try to do is provide the guidance for sort of the aggregate FDI statistics, which uh, are based on a criteria of, of essentially 10% ownership. So if an investor in one country owns 10% of the voting power in a business in another country, that's a direct investment. But as you mentioned, 
uh, these sort of complex ownership structures, these holding companies, pass-through entities, all make that very complicated and can actually make it very difficult to interpret the FDI statistics. So one of the things we do is recommend supplemental measures. And one of those, for example, is by ultimate investing country, which would then say who the, uh, the country of the investor who's actually the one making the decisions about the investment. And what we say essentially is to look at the immediate direct investor and then follow the ownership chain up until you find somebody who's not controlled by anyone else, and that's the entity making the decision. And so those kinds of measures can actually help you interpret the FDI statistics and make them more relevant for policymaking. Are other countries gearing up for an altered FDI landscape going forward, or is it too early to tell? Uh, I think at this point it's too early to tell. I mean, uh, the not only was the tax reform very complicated and have a lot of provisions that will have lots of impacts on the incentives for FDI, but another sort of big unknown is how other countries are going to react. So one of the features of the tax reform was a drop in the tax rate, statutory tax rate, from 35% to 21%. It, which could uh, then give more incentives, for example, for foreign investment into the United States. But other countries may respond to this by lowering their own tax rates, and that will shift the incentives again. So we're just going to have to wait and see how it all shakes out, I guess. Beyond the U.S. repatriation of earnings and an ensuing global drop, what other trends are we seeing uh, in uh, FDI? For example, what countries have maintained strong outward direct investment flows? Um, so it's, it's interesting. Um, there have been a few countries that have really dominated uh, outward FDI, and these are large developed economies. So the U.S., but also Japan, uh, several European countries like France and Germany, United Kingdom, Switzerland, and Netherlands. Uh, following the financial crisis, we actually saw a real drop in FDI from these countries. And what was interesting was, at the same time, there was a big increase from emerging market economies, particularly China. So China actually in 2016 was the second largest outward investor after the US. And in that year, it also became a net outward investor. So it's all it's recently been a big recipient of inward investment. But that year, its outward investment actually exceeded its inward investment. Um, you know, the other thing that contributed to the drop we saw in the first quarter is that China has really now pulled back. So we see Chinese companies uh, really reducing the amount that they're investing abroad. But now we're also seeing some of these old sort of dominant players come back. So we're seeing more investment out of Japan and some of the European countries. So these things are, are shifting, but we're definitely seeing new players emerging. Thank you, Maria. Well, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. That was Maria Borga, Senior Statistician and Head of Foreign Direct Investment Statistics at the OECD. To read the report FDI in figures, go to www.oecd.org investment. That's www.oecd.org investment. This is OECD on the level. Thanks for listening.